All right, so I have Alex here from 16-0, and, well, we've been trying to make this podcast happen for a while, so thank you for, for your continued patience with me, Alex. It's great to have you on. No problem, Dan. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Okay, so this is really cool. This is a, a bit different to the usual podcast I've been doing, but it's very much um, tied into the you know the theme of uh, you know performance and you know you're developing a tool and I, you know I think one of the investors or or um, or people helping you develop this tool is actually Lurpus. Is that is that correct? Yeah, we brought Tommy on um, pretty early on in the process as a co-founder. He has a lot of super relevant advice both on the business side and then obviously he's a super accomplished counter-strike player okay so and this tool is an analytical tool and it's designed to basically take every single piece of data just pass as much as possible from demos and to create as much insights that are going to enable the user to create a benefit in in the actual game so so can you describe uh, maybe better than i can exactly what your tool is doing like what you know what is what is the vision where did this idea come from you know what's the process been like yeah absolutely so um i guess almost taking a step back and forgetting about counter-strike for for one second um we obviously saw that there is this trend towards people taking data and using it for these really amazing things to come up with really amazing conclusions, whether or not, whether or not that's people like Google mapping the world or, you know, even professional sports teams like the Eagles starting to use analytics to make their play better or the things the NBA is doing. And we looked at Counter-Strike and at video games. And the thing that's interesting about video games is they're one of the best natural sources of, of data that you could come across because they're entirely digital. So in theory, the whole world is something that can be easily represented in your computer. And that's not true for things like the NBA. It's not true for mapping data where you have to do things like send satellites into space. And so we sort of thought really in video games, we should see some of the most impressive tools for data analysis. Like we should see professional video game players using these really cool tools that make you a way better player because they can access every movement update, um, every single time you look at an enemy, we can analyze that. And, and I think one of the things that's amazing about Counter-Strike, one amazing stat is that there's something like 5 million positional updates on average that are available in a standard CSGO demo of like an average length map. Um, and so there should be these amazing things that we can do with that data to make players better, to show them insights about the ways that they're playing and, and help them you know, make better decisions. And so we sort of took this idea of like, let's take a video game and let's use data analysis to, to sort of take the competition in that video game to, to the next level. And we tried to apply that idea to Counter-Strike. And we did it by basically starting to take professional demos and analyze them, but not just analyze them for kills and for deaths, but try to pull out every single thing that we could out of, out of the demo and try to, instead of just producing statistics that talk about how many kills a player got, how many deaths a player got, we wanted to talk, to talk about statistics that actually focused on the decisions that players were making in game. And so that at a high level is the idea of 16-0. It's let's take the, this professional level data and let's build these profiles of teams that are useful for scouting them, that are useful for understanding how they play, and that are ultimately useful for uh, either making a team better or for beating a team that you might be playing. So, you know, in Counter-Strike, you know, we're not 
we're not too um, familiar with having statistics. You know, I think HLTV, for example, um, has, you know, they've been developing their own statistics and, and methods to create insights from those st- uh, statistics for quite some time. Like, what has been your, your thoughts of, I, I suppose, I'm not sure if you consider them competition, but what, if, what has been your thoughts on the other attempts at creating uh, insights through data in Counter-Strike so far? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, first of all, we love HLTV. I think HLTV has done some um, amazing things to elevate the Counter-Strike scene to uh, to make some of the data extremely available to sort of a mass audience, put it in a place where people can easily you know, consume that data and have access to Counter-Strike in a way that, you know, would other, otherwise require like an ESPN or something coming in um, and perhaps not doing it as well as HLTV might be able to. Um, I think our approach was, you know, we're less concerned about bringing Counter-Strike statistics to the average viewer as we are f- focusing on new ways of understanding the game by focusing really on actionability. Um, so... You know, that's doing things like focusing on, you know, how do instead of just like how do players play overall, how do players play in specific situations? Um, you know, how much more damage is the player likely to do if he stands, you know, to the left side on the left side of this angle compared to the right side of this angle? Um, some of that ends up being really interesting to look at as a, as a viewer as well. Um, so we certainly think there is some like application of what we're doing on, on the broadcast side, maybe in a, a way a little bit similar to what HLTV has done. But what we're really focused on is trying to understand like the decisions that players are making and try to inform them in ways that help them actually make better decisions. So from that perspective, you know, I, I've been, you know, I had a, a little tour of, of your tool uh, a while ago. And one of the things I always thought was very interesting is, you know, working out sort of like the expected value of this that, and the other coming from the poker world, you know, where that's, that's kind of how you do it. And, you know, you get, you're able to get to that point because you have this incredible sample size of data. You've got, you know, you're thinking about um, a strategy over a sample size of like a hundred thousand hands that you can, you can analyze very easily if you have the right sort of management tool in, in poker. And, uh, you know, so then I went to, you know these other esports games and i was always trying to think of it in those terms but it's just too difficult we just don't have the tools uh, to pass that amount of data and to create those insights and i feel like you know you have the first tool that's really accomplished that um and i think you're getting the kind of the closest to to basically working out what actually is a plus ev play like how can you actually calculate that and uh, and you know how can you actually calculate you know what is um, like, a, like, what what is the percentage advantage to taking, let's say, a certain area of the map um, on, on, let's say, dust two? Let's say, you know, if if you take long, for example, and you you lose a player doing it, you go down four versus five on the T side. You know, has it actually improved your chances to win the round, or to has it improved your chances to get a a bomb down, but maybe? And overall lessen the chances to win the round like you know these kinds of things i've always been fascinated in learning and i feel like you guys are the closest to yeah that. i mean i i think we've certainly made a, a lot of strides um and i, I obviously i think there's a, a huge way to go um from what we've what we've done so far i mean one of the things that first really excited me about the project one of the first pieces of technology that we built that um, I, I felt like actually perhaps contributed something to the discussion of, you know, what makes a player good, what makes a player bad is what we call our damage map. But what it basically is, is, you know, anytime a player does damage to a, a, another player, 
um, there's obviously like two positions associated with that damage event. And so there's sort of like a positive damage position for the person who did the damage and there's a negative damage position. And you can start to do really cool things like group all those damage events for all the in damage events and all the out damage events for a particular player uh, across an entire map. And you can start to do really powerful things like identify specifically sort of like you were talking about if a player is in, in this particular spot, you know, how much more damage is he likely to do than he's like, he's likely to receive, um, you know, in terms of being able to really m make this actionable for players. Um, I think that's a, been a little bit more of a struggle because it's, it's one thing to sort of be able to step back and to say, Oh, you know, this player does 10 more damage when he's in this position than when he's in this other position. Um, but the struggle I think is how do we, take these insights and make it something that's actually useful to a, a player who has to make a decision in, you know, let's say half a second or, you know, best case scenario, two or three seconds when you're talking about like, you know, do I rotate, you know, through tunnels or do I try to like retake B site does to, you know, from uh, T mid um, and, and sort of distilling a lot of this data down to things that are actually focused on the decisions that players are making um, you know, it's still something that we're, we're continuing to work towards. I think we made a lot of strides, but it's just such a huge project. Yes, it's it's amazing because you know, again, like if you if you can pull the data, it's just sort of making sense of it, right? And and I feel like, for example, in hearing that, you know, if hearing the the example you just gave with the the damage mapping, you know, if if we're looking at a position, let's say like ticket booth, um, and you know you're looking at the CT and you're trying to see, okay, these are the sort of spots and angles in which he's able to do the most damage from that. Um, you know, someone might be thinking whilst listening to what you're saying and say and thinking to themselves, okay, well, but that might be ignoring, you know, what's what's the context? So you know what happened in in on in like some of those rounds, like it obviously in certain sp specific environments you're going to be able to get way more damage out of a spot than if like a certain type of executes coming in or you know based on the weapon that you have or the weapons your opponents have and so on and so forth and that's actually something that your tool can account for as well right because you have all the ways to filter for specific rounds so so you could you could maybe say um you put device in that position and look at all the astralis demos on mirage your device in that position and you could filter out okay buy versus buy okay the a execute comes in right so that so then you actually solve that problem of context would you say that's yeah that's I, I think filterability is something that we have taken very seriously sort of from an early stage in the process it really does give you the ability and I think this is one of the ways our tool sort of goes to the next level is we really focus on giving our users the ability to narrow down to the exact situations that they care about. Um, and we do think that actually contributes to sort of be what, what we like to call actionable analytics. Like these analytics are actually focused on, on decision-making um, and identifying characteristics, like things that you just talked about, like buy versus buy, you know, situations when device in particular has an op situations where you know the economic situation maybe based on the winning streaks and losing streaks is such that um it's what we, we we might call like an economically important round which is a round where um you are 
more likely to basically either team is going to be in a bad position if they lose the round. And so it's ten, these tend to be extremely crucial rounds to who wins the entire match. And so often, you know, it's nice for players and coaches to be able to narrow down to specifically those rounds and focus on, you know, either just watching those rounds or looking at statistics that are, are just focused on those rounds. And so we try to do that in a lot, a lot of the tools that we offer, not just offer interesting ways of like visualizing data, but also offering really powerful ways of, of navigating these vast quantities of data. Um, and that, I think, is something that really appeals to coaches and players in particular because unlike maybe unlike me at least like i'm not always necessary as i built a lot of these tools you know i'm not a pro player i don't even have a background as like a a extremely strong counter-strike player i mean i'm no novice but i'm certainly um probably most people listening to this podcast would would be me pretty handily um so focusing on putting the power in the tools of our the in the hands of our users is one of the reasons that we've focus so much on filterability and on giving players the ability to narrow down to, you know, not only economically important rounds, but rounds where a team attacked A or rounds where a team attacked B um, so that, you know, like A site players and B site players can focus on the rounds that are only relevant to them when they're prepping. Cause you have a lot of these superstar players who like obviously have an inc- these incredibly back schedules and, you know, part of our job is to make their time as easy as possible um, and so, you know, that's why we've tried to build these tools that, you know, waste as little time as possible. So you don't have to flick through round after round after round. You can just focus on the things that are really relevant to helping you make better decisions. And speaking of which, you know, it's, it's been so interesting at the, uh, the time of this podcast, especially because, and I watched today, you know, face it, they released, uh, this cool documentary. I think they call it turning point and, they were looking at coaches and one of the coaches they were focusing on was um, Zeus and he had this cool story where he's like, you know, I'll never forget this moment. It was, it was uh, coaching Luminosity. It was against Na'Vi at MLG Columbus, the major. And there was this, this you know, this mirage and there was this, we just kept getting battered every time we would throw this smoke. And then eventually like he realized that by throwing a specific smoke down mid, it actually would encourage um, Na'Vi to like have a specific response. And then he kind of worked out that, you know, this created like a, a specific timing window that if, you know, they would then push, let's say, really fast on B apps or, or Palace or something or, you know, towards A, that the Navi would just be out of position. And then they just lost the round. And this is like a way that an insight that he had very quickly uh, from a gut feeling and then that allowed them to like win the game. And, and one of the cool things about your tool that I find fascinating as well is that you can see with the filterability that you're talking about, how, like how the rotations actually work for teams. And not only, only that, you know, I throw a bunch of smokes or put a bunch of smokes down um, with your tool and I, I can see in by rounds, let's say maybe how Astralis most often will respond from a rotation perspective. The fact that you can also like view it in like a 2D is really cool. Um, and also don't you have on there, cause you did a tour with me a while ago, you have a functionality which allows you to see the individual POVs as well. Yeah, um, yeah, so for, yeah, for matches, we'll basically give you, you know, our 2D player, um, which is like an overview player of the map, shows you all the smokes, uh, all the player positions, pretty much everything from a top-down perspective. I think it's a little bit prettier than the one in game, but it's, it's more or less gives you the same information. Um, and then, yeah, we'll also give you the ability to jump into to POVs as well, because we found that, you know, the 2D player is, is nice for some things. It's, it's way better, in my opinion, for identifying strategic decision-making, things like you were just talking about, like how, how does the team respond to a particular smoke? 
Um, that stuff can be really hard to see when you're looking at things in POV. But then, of course, there's all these other things that might matter for an individual player. So, um, you know, if your device, try, or if you're, let's say you're trying to research device, you're trying to understand how he peaks, you know, mirage window, it's not so useful to get a top-down perspective of, of what he, he looks like, what he's doing. It's much better if you can watch 10 rounds of exactly how he's peaking the window and so you can start to identify trends about you know how he decides to peak um and so yeah i mean we just try we sort of try to make everything available because um depending on who the user is there's obviously like a couple of different levels of of, of utility um and what they're exactly looking for um, but we definitely thought the pov stuff was super important um for our tool to be like really useful for people playing at the highest level because those small micro tendencies just they matter so much and speaking of the POV thing, firstly, like it's obviously got to be a massive, that's going to be the biggest money sink, surely. Yeah, I think we, uh, I think we have 10 terabytes of video footage at the moment. Um, so it's definitely, it definitely requires a bit of resources from our end. It's not the worst thing in the world, um, but we definitely like, we have like har hardware running 24 seven. That's like responsible for processing some of those POVs and stuff like that. So it's definitely like a non-trivial undertaking. So, you know, another thing that, you know, POVs would be really interesting for is obviously understanding grenades. Um, so, so what kind of um, tools do you have around grenades? Because, you know, you, you did throw uh, some credit towards HTV previously and, and something that they have done, which has been really cool, is like they, they actually introduced a lot of these sort of grenade stats, which allowed us to get a, a more colored, more a better depth of, of, let's say, picture to what is actually happening as far as like who's contributing impact. So, so what, what sort of stuff do you have around grenades? Because I know you have a tab yeah. for grenades. So, so um, talk to me about that. Yeah, grenades are obviously really important in Counter-Strike, and I think they're one of the most interesting, sort of unique features about the game. Um, one of the things that, well, there's some basic things that we do. I think actually one of the things you sort of even mentioned, which is, uh, obviously, like Zeus loves to understand, you know, what does the team's rotations or positions look like based on a particular smoke being thrown? Um, we have a tool that does something similar to that, which is like, oh, it lets you condition a lot of tools based on a smoke being in a particular spot or a grenade being thrown in a particular area. Um, the other thing that's really interesting about smoke grenades and, or like grenades in general, is that players learn these lineups. And so they're sort of throwing the same grenade again and again. And we really wanted to understand the decision-making that goes behind grenades. Like, why do you throw this particular HE at this particular time as opposed to this other HE? Um, and, and key to understanding that was being able to do things like identify lineups. So one of the things that we did actually pretty early on in the process was we built this algorithm that uses some basic AI techniques to sort of identify grenades that are probably from the same lineup. Um, so obviously you, you can, you're going to be off by a couple of pixels every time you throw a grenade, but you know, if we are clever about it, we can more or less automatically figure out which grenades are from the same lineup. And then we can start to do really interesting things like look at particular lineups. And instead of just saying like, Oh, Hey, this player throws, this really throws really great flash grenades or, you know, Astralis does a lot of HE damage. We can actually look at the individual grenades that they're throwing and talk about how effective the grenades are in isolation. Um, and so being able to, to look at those sort of trends, you know, helps 
helps us start to even do things like make micro recommendations to players. Like, you know, let's throw this, maybe if you threw this grenade a little bit later, you might do a, a little bit more damage. Um, one example that I think, uh, I'm not sure we ever talked about this in, in public, but we found sort of behind the scenes was for a while, Rush was throwing this grenade on a site Mirage on CT side that was basically like a, a dud. It, it would do on average, you know, one damage, or maybe it did one or two points of damage, like once or twice. And he'd thrown it like 80 times. And, you know, from our perspective, that might be something that Balans wants him throwing um, because perhaps it, it does deter teams from taking, you know, like early ramp control. Um, but also it might just be something that he does because it's habit and it might be better for him to throw it a, a little bit later. Um, and so once we start to understand like grenades by lineup, um, we can start making micro recommendations instead of just saying like, hey, Rush, it would be great if you had like a higher HE average um and sort of you know leaving him to figure out how to do that we try to build we try to try to build these tools around grenades that again like focused on the actual decisions that players have to make which is like do i throw one of these three line three lineups from this position um so yeah i mean i would say those are that's the grenade functionality at, at a pretty high level um we've also tried to start to use that to to do things like identify executes um which is, is like another sort of interesting thing about professional Counter-Strike that we just like find fascinating from an analytical perspective. And so, you know, we really, we, we love the ability of being able to like model that and talk to teams about the executes that they're running um, in like an automated way. So it, it's one of the cool things about this, pro- this product is, is that, you know, you have, it's, it's so amazing in, in, you know, for professional players and teams and it's so amazing for the broadcast and it's so amazing for casual players because it's just data give you know and you just give it meaning and it's it's actionable as you said like this is that's just a beautiful concept and so you know first you know i wonder do, do you guys must surely have spoken about the idea to create a tool that or like a, a sort of an extension of this tool that goes in game and gives you visualizations so for example if you're running around a server it will it maybe there's like a, a i don't know a pop-up display that says okay these are the must know grenades for mirage on the t side and then you know you can click them and uh, you can click one and it can be window smoke and it can give you a few variations of a window smoke and show you exactly where to stand where how to do the lineup like is that something that you've also considered because you have the data for for like everything right so surely that's very yeah possible. i think there's actually i mean there's a ton of sort of interesting concepts that uh not a ton of which we haven't really dug super deep into um but that sort of surrounds, you know, how can we integrate some of this technology with the game? So, you know, stuff like you mentioned, right, which is let's show specific grenade recommendations, but even things like, you know, being able to like, let's say you're Navi and you have a match against Liquid uh, and you want to you want to know what like what some of their common executes look like. Being able to do things like stand on a site and have the smokes for one of their common executes like thrown against you sort of automatically by this this tool um that's sort of like just some stuff that you know we haven't really done but we've definitely thought about i I think there's like some incredibly interesting concepts there also i mean going back to the damage map tool being able to do stuff like have you walk around the map and tell you um hey based on your past performances like you're plus 42 damage from this spot you're minus 12 damage from the spot so that you know maybe you can go practice against bots and also get this information to make these like smaller adjustments while you're playing the game. Um, 
the one thing that's kind of interesting from this is is understanding what the line is. I think one thing that we saw that's kind of interesting, and I'm not sure if people listening to this podcast will be familiar, but in Overwatch, there's this company called Visor that was doing something kind of similar to what we're doing. Um, but they were offering like a lot of in-game feedback or like or um sort of immediate recommendations telling you like interesting things about your play while you're playing an actual match. And despite the fact that they weren't like they, this wasn't a hack, it wasn't stealing data from the game, it was completely based off of like the video feed. Blizzard ended up saying something along the lines of, um, you know, this is this basically this third party program running inside your game more or less, you, you know, ends up is basically this, the same thing as a cheat. And so Visor basically got sort of slapped by Blizzard about that. And so, you know, from our perspective, we're sort of careful when we dig into these in-game tools, because there is a question of like, at what point, at what point is it unacceptable for us to like give you feedback while you were playing? I mean, I think most, like most people would agree that if we, if like pros were running some kind of overlay that like, let's say was based on, you know, solely on information that we could see on their screen. Um, if they were doing that in a tournament, it would probably be like over the line. And most people would probably say like the smoke tool that you described is not over the line because you're like doing it in, a, in an offline server. Um, so trying to figure out like where the line there is there in terms of like competitive integrity is, is really interesting to us. Um, because like in video games, because there's so much data, this is like, this isn't something that we've like ventured into in sports. Like there's no equivalent to having like a, incredible incredible heads up display in like soccer that's telling you like where to run um there might be some more comparable examples that i'm not really familiar with and things like poker but um it's like a really interesting problem from our perspective where we actually should stop building technology if that makes sense yeah no of course i mean it's it's one of the questions i was going to ask is uh, this idea of you know if you if you imagine that this tool is there for professional players and even if even if you still maintain that human element that the human being is still playing the game and is limited by um you know their human perception and their practice and everything like that as things are now um that's that's one thing but but is is the game do you think in some ways will the competitive integrity be solid will the game become a bit more boring maybe because let's say in five years there's so much data on how Counter-Strike works and in its most uh, effective capacities and then everyone's going to learn those models and then it's going to just become sort of a rock paper scissors uh, of a meta game as opposed to something that's just a little bit more ambiguous um, which gives it some of that extra flair because you just don't know what's going to happen and that's that's part of what's exciting about about the sport do, 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 have you have, have you given that idea yeah we definitely thought about that a bit um <clears throat> personally i actually think if anything it will make the game more compelling and, and more engaging um i i think i i don't think you would ever see people sort of playing strictly by the numbers um just because there's always going to be information that you have that is like sort of forever going to be hard to represent in you know a model so we may know a ton about how astralis plays on nuke but we may not know, you know, how much a team that's about to play Astralis has practiced on Nuke. Um, we don't know, like, what their results might look like, you know, offline. And so I, I really think our understanding of, like, the metagame, the perfect way of playing Counter-Strike will always be a little bit imprecise. Like, we'll never have all of the data. 
partially because like the game exists, like there are decisions that are made that are outside of the scope of the game. And so even these extremely rich demos don't have all the data. Um, but I think there's also the human element, which is that, you know, you have 20 somethings, you know, also, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds playing this game and getting them to live out a like, quantitative model while they're playing the game is just never going to happen. Um, and I, nor do I think we would, we would want it to happen. Like a lot of the game is obviously played on instinct. Um, and I, I don't think we will ever completely change that, but I do hope that there are things around the edges that we can use our software to help tighten up, you know, help people make decisions, stop making decisions that are like obviously the bad decision. And I think that will make Counter-Strike more competitive as a result. Um, the other thing is I think like our software hopefully eventually make competing at a high, the, a extremely high level even more accessible to teams that can't do things like afford a bunch of analysts, for example, um, to constantly, you know, sort of scout the people they're playing. So I think there's a lot of elements there that will hopefully keep the competition alive. Yeah, the, the accessibility thing is is pretty cool. Um yeah, you never really wanted to be that the question of who has the most money, who can buy the best players type thing that you might get in some sports, which would, I guess, be somewhat of the equivalent um, in that instance. So I have a really interesting question, actually. I hadn't thought about this before, but one of the problems we have in Counter-Strike is, I would say personally, is the lack of, um, let's say, maps. You know, we don't have enough maps coming into the competitive pool. You know, if if there was, if you know, in a perfect world, if you if you can release like a, a really comp like uh, esports ready like uh, professional level Counter Strike map that can be played um, in in a major uh, like twice a year at least. That's going to freshen things up massively. You know, it's going to remove some of that viewer fatigue. You're going to get to see new stuff. You know, because I think you know, whenever I ask people, you know, when, when was the last time you saw something like really innovative in a game of counter-strike you know something that blew your mind in professional counter-strike it's, it's very hard for people to think of it because we've just seen we just see very slight variations which really is just the meta game generally speaking um changing and it's rare that we see something brand new and mind-blowing and so i was wondering that if, if this tool in theory could make that process easier to learn new maps because you know would you be able to let's say project um like if you, if you just put a new map into your system um because you have all the data on let's say like let's say the damage maps, like the you know you, you surely must be able to say okay based on like there's a reason why this bot is better than that spot you know and and maybe there's like geometric advantages which are really easy to quantify from a, a you know let's say it's very easy to win this duel because of this geometric advantage and and that's obviously a mechanic a mechanic in the game um, as well so so you know it, would it do you think be something that could allow us to more easily transition into new maps as opposed to just having to you know run around them constantly and and, and figure everything out will this tool be able to make that an easier process yeah i i think certainly there is there is room for us to turn this tool into something that can make that process significantly easier i mean both from the perspective of it's just going to be easier for you to review play on that map as it as it does play out but also from the perspective of making predictions about, you know, which areas are going to be important to, you know, have map control and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure that we're completely there yet, but I, personally, I find some of the concepts of like, you know, how does the field of view that you have from this particular spot, you know, make that spot in, important for map control? Like if you can see two critical junctures of the map, the spot you're in is probably, you know, significantly more important than, you know, some spot where you have a very limited field of view over a perhaps like 
uh, ancillary, like off to the edge type area. Um, can we make predictions about, you know, what, what are going to be the good spots uh, on a new map if, you know, we start playing Sub-Zero or whatever? Um, I think we definitely can, but I also think like we have a, a, a bit of a way to go before it's easy for us to look at a particular spot and, you know, talk about like how the geometry actually makes, you know, one spot better than, better than, better than the other without actually like seeing a lot of play on it. Um, the other thing is I kind of wonder to what extent the metagame in, in Counter-Strike is, um, a little bit un, unpredictable. Like I wonder to what extent, um, you know, it's, it's determined based on what spots are the, uh, are like actually the best from like a, like a geometric perspective or where there's sort of situations where players have learned to effectively play a, a very particular position in an effective way. And other players have sort of just started to copy that style. Um, I'm not really sh sure to what extent each of those factors actually determines the metagame, but that's the kind of stuff that we're like really interested in, in exploring. Um, but we've really only begun to chip away at what we think is like a pretty big iceberg there. Yeah, I, <laughs> there's no kidding. I mean, when I was asked, like sort of thinking about that last question that I asked you about understanding like just having a fresh map with no data and your tool already understanding what the good spots might be based on how it understands counter-strike it's it that, that the next step for that is actually for the tool to be able to construct maps <laughs> basically um if obviously you'd have to give it some some criteria but uh, but um that would be really interesting as well uh, do you think that would be something that does that does that sound like an interesting concept to you if, if you talked about yeah i mean um i've actually never really considered the idea of of auto building maps. Um, I mean, I think obviously it would have to be like a pretty, if you were to do that, it'd have to be pretty limited in the sense of like, you might be able to do something like suggest a layout and, and leave it to a creative mapper to actually figure out how to put it together in a way that like looked good and people actually wanted to play on. Um, but I, I, I do think that there are sort of interesting things that we might be able to learn about the game that I'm not even sure that the, CSGO devs really have a ton of insight into. I think we often see, like, I think one great example from a mapping perspective is how does verticality affect, you know, the, like, the competitiveness of um, a particular map? Because I think we've seen on Nuke that um, it certainly creates a much different game because almost never in the Counter-Strike world do you find yourself, like, constantly having to worry about such a like high degree of verticality when you're playing a map, like often you're pretty much just looking in front of you and, you know, sort of to the left and to the right. Um, and I, I, I think it's sort of also an open question for the community. Like what, what makes a map good? Like what are we looking for? Are we looking for situations where every map finishes 16, 14, or are we looking for situations that reward the, you know, the team the where the higher skilled team always wins? Um, these are these are sort of other questions that I think you know we'd also have to answer before we could really figure out if we could like build a map in an automated way. Has there been anything about the tool so far, like in, in developing it, that surprised you? Like you know something that you uh, an insight that you got which you just really weren't expecting, or an application you weren't expecting? Yeah. So uh, one of my favorite tools that we've worked on um, we call engagement analytics, but basically what it is is we look at these periods of time where one player can see another player on the map. 
So an engagement basically starts when I see you and ends when I stop seeing you, you know, whether or not that means I die or you go behind a wall or I go behind a wall. Um, and we can use like engagements to actually start talking about mechanical skill in some, some pretty interesting ways. Um, we can do stuff like look at crosshair placement, some proxies for reaction time based on, you know, how long it takes you to, actually um you know fire a shot at a player and so we've obviously gotten to look at some some statistics that i think haven't really been measured before in counter-strike um and the thing that's interesting is mechanical skill is definitely important i think we skill we see a lot of the players that we think as the high mechanical skill players towards the top on, on some of those numbers but it's not as straightforward as you would think. And I often think that, that probably a lot of it comes out in the wash and a, a lot of what makes players really good is actually their decision-making more so than, you know, their ability to hit a shot in, you know, two in, in 20 milliseconds faster than, you know, one of their competitors. It really has to do with like, are you peaking at the right, at the right place at, at the right time? Um, and that's not to say that the mechanical skill doesn't matter, but I think it, it would surprise a lot of people how much those numbers do, don't really seem to be predictive in the sense of telling you who's going to win a particular duel. And speaking of which, you know, one of the un other unquantifiables uh, that might be interesting and, and also uh, from an insight perspective, I, I wonder if it somehow comes out in the data is is consistency. And and obviously um, consistency can is often down to the psychology of a player because as you say, like it, it can often be that you can make really good decisions. And so if we assume that someone makes the best decisions, but then there's still a variance in their ability to, to you know, successfully execute the play, then then there's a level of inconsistency which will vary between players. So, and, and, and perhaps, you know, if you're able to see, okay, I am making good decisions, you know, fairly consistently, but the execution is a problem, then perhaps that can lead them towards a, a greater insight into their performance and where they need to go next. Um, is that, is consistency uh, a thing that you've discussed as well, a way to like, like understand that? Um, yeah, so we've measured consistency in, in a couple of different ways. Um, one thing that I think is kind of interesting to, to look at that I'm not sure I have any real conclusions on is one thing we were really interested in the, in the beginning was, okay, so we have these players who, you know, are doing, obviously everyone knows about ADR, which is like average damage per round. How consistently are these players that are doing, let's say, you know, 89 damage per round and are tend to be towards the, the top of the leaderboard. Is there a difference between two players that are both doing eight? damage around like would you prefer the player that consistently does 87 damage or would you prefer the player that you know sometimes does 300 damage and then the rest of the time you know does zero damage but it averages out to 87 and so like understanding consistency in in some of these statistics are things that we've definitely started to look into i think the jury's still out on you know what some of those statistics mean and to what extent they they relate to things like psychological consistency um but the other thing that's interesting i think is like from the mechanical perspective we think it's really interesting to start to understand things which we can we can start to do with some of these statistics like do players actually play worse when they have to wake up in the mornings like i know when we were originally talking to renegades they were sort of interested in digging into you know for some of their players are there particular conditions under which they actually play their best games 
Like, is it is it good for some players to sleep 12 hours a night? Is it good for other players to sleep eight hours a night? Um, and I think we're sort of just at the beginning of being able to answer those questions because it's really hard to do that with when you have things like, you know, just rounds to look at and just damage as metrics. Because um, those those metrics can be, I think, can be a little bit misleading in terms of understanding, you know, what does this actually mean? How does this relate to a, a player's physiological well-being going into a match? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so at 16, is wearable tech coming to stores <laughs> soon? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, most of the stuff we've been doing is super basic, just like schedule-based um, stuff. But if there's anyone out there listening that uh, knows anything about wearable tech and wants to partner with us, we're we're happy to talk about it. Man, it's it's uh it's really fascinating. Like uh, all of these these insights and and also um it must be um when you're talking about sort of the the jury being out on on the consistency and and you know the using the example that you use with ADR, do you want this player or that player? It, it also feels like you're in a position where maybe you can debunk some of um, maybe some prominently considered notions about statistics that we do have um, or perhaps help to redefine the way that we look at the game in, in certain respects. Like, for example, you know, what a support player's impact actually is. You know, for, I think that, you know, you guys have, again, looking at the grenade statistics, um, you have this ability to look at the data in such a way that's so detailed that you can get a much finer balance on player statistics because there's there's always this, been this really difficult thing for players who um, in the public eye, you know, maybe they just see the, the, you know, they just see the outcome of, of the amount of kills that you get to be the quality of player that you are. And, you know, things did get a little bit more complicated than that, but it still feels like there's not a great representation to actually really understand like who is a very good player. Um, because as much as we talk about roles and simplify things with roles, which again, Counter-Strike is beautiful because there are no specific roles. You know, it's not a class-based game. Anybody can really achieve sort of anything in any given scenario. It's just sort of how they fit into the structure of, of a team. It feels like maybe your tool could maybe offer it more insight into redefining some of the roles. Yeah. So, I mean, one, I think one interesting example that interest, uh, recently was um, this, when Stiko came back to Mouse Sports, um, we compared some of his statistics with snacks and tried to understand, um, you know, what the impact was on the rest of the team, because I think there were, there were arguments both ways. I think we actually did a, a Twitter thread on this, but there were some arguments both ways about, you know, ways in which Stiko was an asset to the team and, and perhaps ways in which he might've hurt the team a little bit, but it, it is interesting to start to be able to dig into things like, for example, we noticed when Stiga left the team, there were certain grenades that other people had to like step up and, and start throwing a, a lot more of. Um, and so understanding like that Stiga actually did fit this, this particular role in the team and that, you know, even if he wasn't throwing grenades that were necessarily better than the grenades that were being thrown by um, some of the other players on the team, they potentially put other players in a position where because they weren't throwing those grenades, they played significantly better and they were more successful. And so we are really excited about being able to start looking at some of those things. Also being able to like talk to players about how they can use statistics to make a case for their value. Because right now it's really difficult if you don't have access to really advanced statistics, particularly around things like, you know, name usage, 
and um, and you don't have ways of understanding like the value kill based on the economic situation. It, you can often reach misleading conclusions. Um, and so we're eager for this kind of stuff to be out there because it means that players can start to have discussions like during contract negotiations and have a better understanding of their value to a team in ways that like they can't right now because maybe they're not like a, an all-star fragger. And so their skill and success doesn't come out in ADR alone or in KPR alone. Um, so there's definitely, there's definitely a role there. Um, and we're excited to like continue to do interesting work in that direction. Um, but like understanding things like role, again, like I, I know I, I've been saying this a lot in, in this podcast, I think we're really at the beginning of, you know, understanding what makes a support player a support player from a statistical perspective compared to just the eye test. It's uh, it's so exciting, just like all the possibilities, because you just have the data. You just like have a way to pass the data, and it's just like finding the ways. Like it's the right questions, isn't it? It's always about finding the right questions. And another question I have is about um, you touched on it very briefly a moment ago. Um, is mechanics, and I know you have um this. You know, you've, you've uh, shown on Twitter as, especially as well, just like this uh, crosshair placement or the, uh, analysis, um, which is does speak to mechanics um, partly as well as other other things. But you know, one one of the, th the things I've noticed a lot in different players, um, in that I might coach in certain people, is understanding how best to look at their setup. So, and you know, because I can, if I look at them playing, I can see, hang on, this guy, he's having problems resetting his mouse. Like he's having problems turning enough degrees um, in in one sweep with the kind, and, and that's that's down to a technique thing. Like he's using either like a poor grip or a poor technique or a mouse that doesn't fit correctly or his sensitivity is is not correct as well. So so like that's something I can tell by just looking at how someone moves. And it's very easy for anybody to do that just by looking at someone who's got good mechanics, who's a professional player, and then looking at their friend who's you know golden over. Like you can see significant differences, and that's that's down to mechanics. So I feel like you know is um, that's something that your talk could offer insights on as well right if you are able to just analyze a demo and understand like how smooth is this motion how you know how quickly can you um can you go from you know this this position to that position how smooth is it because if you want to go if you want to do a left to right flick um let's say let's say it's an 80 degrees flick which shouldn't be something that's too demanding if that's a struggle for you to to snap like that then maybe there's there's an issue somewhere. yeah i mean we, we are very, very interested in potentially building tools that, you know, can, can be useful, you know, even for players who are new to the game or players who just, just want to improve, start offering them automated ways of, of getting sort of this type of coaching. Um, I think one of the things we struggle with, and, and one of the reasons I think we started with, started building things on the pro professional side is uh, we need this sort of X level of expert advice it's it's really important because you know we're certainly good and we have people on the team who are very good at data analysis and very good at building scalable systems and this is one of the reasons of course that we also brought brought tommy on board but we need this ecosystem around the product of professionals who are are interested in it and are willing to talk to us about you know hey what is it that makes players aim bad because often you may be obvious to you looking at you know a player who's not so skilled but perhaps it's not obvious to me perhaps it is obvious but we always need that expert advice to start de de designing metrics because 
really what we're trying to do is design metrics that capture the intuitions that we have so that we can sort of automate those intuitions. We can, we can make this type of coaching accessible to everyone. Um, or we can apply it on, on such a large scale that we can get these, these insights that would only be possible if you watched, you know, a hundred demos, um, and like meticulously recorded notes. And so we, we certainly think that, that that kind of stuff is, is possible. And we've definitely started to work towards it in a couple of some of the smaller projects that we've been working on. Um, but it really does require real experts coming in and, and helping us move the product um, forward by, by helping point out, you know, what some of those flaws might be in, in a player so we can build these tools to identify them automatically. Oh, it's it's so exciting. The, the one the one thing um, about this is that you know there must be something about this project so far though that that um, you yourself like you know you, that you're super proud of something that you achieved and and that might be like a weird question because actually it does seem like you've you've done an enormous amount of the development by yourself and and it's a crazy small team but if if you could pick out one thing that you know you're really proud of so far uh, uh, that you've developed um, what would it be? Um... This is a good question. I think probably the thing that comes to mind for the, the tools we've built to automatically identify executes, um, just because this is like one of the things about the game that we all sort of see. We all know the executes are happening, and you obviously memorize your executes when you're learning how to play the game, you know, maybe with like some friends or whatever. It's, it was very rewarding the first time that we like, managed to run this over, you know, 15 North demos or 15 Astralis demos. And, you know, we, we got a list back that was like, you know, a list of the six times that Astralis had run, you know, their A-Site Mirage execute or whatever. Um, and obviously those tools, even to this day, require some tuning and there's always improvement to be made. But it's, there was something very satisfying about sort of saying, hey, this is like a phenomenon we want to talk about in a statistical way and building the layers of tools that it required to like actually get the results that we wanted. Um, sort of finally seeing that pop on the up on the screen the way that you wanted is a pretty satisfying feeling. Do you need investment or like, you know, what, what kind of stage are you at in the business? Like if you had this platform to to uh, sort of make an appeal to anyone that's interested in supporting the project, you know, what ways could they go about doing um, that? Well, I guess there's a couple of different ways depending on who you are. I mean, if you're a professional player or a professional team uh, and are interested in like learning about the, the product and potentially becoming a customer, that obviously helps us a lot. Um, we're definitely looking for investment. We've started the process of, of potentially trying to raise a seed round. Um, so if there are people out there who are like sort of interested in, in hearing our, our pitch and what we think uh, the company can do in the long run, feel free to reach out to us uh, at contact at 16.0.net and we're, we're certainly open to, to chatting. I think what we, what we really do need is, is ultimately at the end of the day, we need to continue to build our customer base and uh, or get investment because we're all sort of everyone at 16 zero is very interested in making this a full-time thing, but none of us are, are full-time yet. Um, and so we're definitely making progress towards that point. Like we, we've continued to sell uh, the products to, you know, more professional teams as time has gone on. Um, so we know that there's definitely like a, a space for what we're doing. Um, but we're definitely still trying to get to the, the point where we can all quit our day, job, day jobs and make this something that, that is full-time. Um, but, I mean, I would say maybe even 
at the close, like, I, in my opinion, this is about so much more than just Counter-Strike. Um, Counter-Strike is obviously like our first sport and, and we absolutely love it. But as esports continues to grow and as, as video games continue to grow, uh, data analytics in, in video games are, is going to become some of the most compelling and engaging analytics that you'll see you know it'll be more engaging than sports it will be more engaging than using google maps because all of that data is is going to be stuff that is easily accessible for you know companies like us um and so we're really excited just about you know not only what can be done in counter-strike but you know how this is potentially going to to be foundational to like what esports and what video games are going to grow into as they continue to flourish as an as an industry Fantastic. I, I completely agree with you. And, uh, you know, there's going to be so many people as well who are not necessarily sort of you know, professionals or on the business end of things that might be listening and, and just wondering, oh, you know, they must be salivating. You know, how can I get my hands on this tool? You know, when is it going to, you know, reach the, 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 the average, the average uh, sort of casual player or um, like, is, is there going to be a model or rather, sorry, a release soon that will allow, you know, anybody to look at yeah, it? Yeah, we are, we are hoping to move towards a player market um we're definitely building tools in in that direction i i think if you are one of those people and you're like oh hey i would really love to get my hands on on some of some of these tools um you know certainly reach out to us and you know there may be a possibility that we will need beta testers sometime in the near future um i don't want to speak too much about our, our plans for those products and we definitely don't have like a concrete release date but what i will say is that we're definitely moving in that direction um and we do want to make this stuff available to you know pretty much anyone who's playing counter-strike um at least at least in some capacity so um if you're interested in that kind of stuff feel free to reach out as well we we always need more testers and if you know people want to follow the so progress and to you know get more information uh, you know what, what are your sort of socials where they can find all that oh um so at 16 zero is uh our twitter account we post there pretty pretty regularly my personal twitter is at uh y-o-h-g csgo and um there's also our website 16 net where we, we do have a blog that uh we occasionally post some interesting stuff on so um, but if you follow us on Twitter, you'll probably get most of our, most of our stuff. Amazing. Um, well, I think I think that about does it for my questioning for, for now. But I'm pretty sure that um, also based on the feedback of this, I think there's going to be some some great follow up discussions. I think analytics, as you say, is such a deep topic, and uh, it's been great to hear your thoughts on it and to to get sort of a, another look into sort of what you've been doing and and to pick your brain uh, more. So thank you, Alex, so much for taking the time to to chat with me. Thanks, Dan. It's been a real pleasure.